Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If you are not, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with academia, innovators, startups, NGOs, all looking for solutions to the greatest challenge of our time. My name is Samuele Tini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to episode 9. Today we are going to India to meet an entrepreneur that, with their startup, Shiroi, is transforming lives of women at the grassroots level. Welcome, Gauri Malik. Hi, Samuel. Thank you so much for this lovely, gracious introduction. Thank you, Gauri. You are an extraordinary leader. You have been recognized by UN Women. You are working with brands. Can you tell us maybe where you are coming from and which is your source of inspiration? So I'm actually from a small town in India called Muzaffarnagar City, which is known to be the crime capital of India, well, at least back in the day. It's a small town in the state of Uttar Pradesh. And uh, when you talk about inspiration, I think I'll say what my frustration was that led me to being a social entrepreneur and doing what I do is essentially when I was growing up, I would always see my mother very financially, emotionally dependent on my father. And um, this is something that would really, you know, frustrate me. And I've always wanted to do something about it. So I think, uh, you know, having got being privileged enough to get a good education, uh, some really good work experience, you know, I decided to use my skill sets to sort of convert, you know, what I do and transform my frustration into some sort of inspiration. So yeah, and that's how we work with women from rural communities who have an amazing skill of craft and uh, provide them with support so they can become financially independent and um, give them design access and uh, you know market access to make beautiful products. That's incredible and such an inspiring story. That is where you know the purpose is coming from. And that you know, led to the creation of Shiroi. So can you explain what Shiroi is, what Shiroi does, and how is empowering and really women at the rural area in India? Shiroi as a brand uh, is named after a small village in Haryana, uh, the state of Haryana, that we first sort of put on the map in 2000 village with solar light. And so we decided to name our brand after that community because it was the first project I had ever done. So the name and fame of what we do comes from the village itself. So Sirohi as a brand uh, is creating income opportunities for women from low income backgrounds uh, who are subjected to a lot of societal norms where they are made to feel that they're not allowed to work, they lack a formal education. Uh, But these are extremely talented, skilled women who have a craft skill and they want to make a difference to their lives, but they just lack an opportunity, unfortunately. So because of that, uh, you know, they're not able to gain financial independence. You know, they're not able to sort of make their own dreams and aspirations come true. So our idea is to use technology to provide these women with basic uh, tech tools to use their existing skills, but make better quality, well-designed products, and then provide them with a platform, which is Sirohi, to sell these products so they can reach a global buyer. So that's what the brand does. The idea is that, you know, we're able to uh, bring the crafts industry online 
which has been a big challenge. Um, you've seen it during COVID that a lot of artisans have faced um, issues because they've lost a lot of their sales, revenues, because they were so reliant on offline markets, right? But the fact that, you know, we're working with women to bring their products online has helped them sustain themselves and also even support their own families and husbands who have now become uh, unemployed during this crisis. That is really inspirational and also, you know, show the support you are given and the big network. Can you tell us how many women are working with you, with uh, Siroi? So we've got uh, 550 plus artisans in the last one and a half year who are listed with us, who want to work uh, from three different villages in Muzaffarnagar. But at any given time, you know, based on the number of orders we're able to generate, you know, we only have 40 to 50 percent artisans who are usually active and are working. Uh, plus, which also depends on their own personal circumstances or their availability to work. But, you know, from a willingness point of view and the number of women who want to work, it's 550 women uh, who are on our network so far. That is incredible. I mean, it's already you are uh, gathering pace and impact. We can frame your intervention between the two SDG, you know, the gender and the women empowerment, but also the utilization also of recyclable materials. Can you share more about that? I was reading about your Uniqlo collaboration. How do you put together the two angles? In India and a lot of, uh, I think, um, countries globally is that, you know, artisan or traditional craft products are kind of in a way looked down upon because, you know, they might be traditional or, you know, it's just made by an artisan. So they don't get the same, I would say, stature or repute that would be, you know, with any other international brand. So we try to ensure that we work very strongly with designers so that each and every product is very well designed so that international buyers, whether it is a small buyer, you know, who just wants to buy something for their home like yourself, or even an international retailer like a Uniqlo, you know, who wants to associate is interested in the product. So they're really well designed. And and that's how we're able to attract such buyers. Uniqlo, for the opening of their store in Gurgaon, they wanted to sort of, you know, do, they have this initiative with this other organization in India called the Little Black Book, you know, where they have a good neighborhood guide. So as part of that initiative, you know, they look for um, brands that are creating some sort of an impact and uh, they collaborate with them to cool initiative. So as part of that, they wanted us to make thousand boxes for um, you know the first um, well thousand customers that came to their store and give them that product um, you know which was completely made from waste pre-consumer waste plastic woven by over two fifty women in a matter of ten days. You know, so those were really like big timelines that we got small timelines and yeah, and you know we sort of. Uh, used a lot of waste to make the boxes that were then given to these customers. So that was the initiative with Uniqlo. In terms of the materials that we use, you know, as a brand, we very consciously decided that if you're making these products, why do we use virgin materials? Let's try to use product raw materials from the locale itself. So which essentially means that, you know, we use a lot of ropes to weave our products. So we use a lot of uh, textile waste, plastic waste, which is essentially twined into ropes. And then these ropes are used to weave the products that we make. It's really inspiring. If I understood properly, you have designed your business model at excellent level. Then you have the women and the artisans that produce even using, as you said, recycling material. And then you sell to big brands and even customers. Can you explain us the impacts that you have given so far and how 
and even stories that how you have transformed the life and how this model has helped women to get out the poverty and get the, the garner their confidence. We have three targets uh, segments of women, the kind of you know people we work with. One is women who are essentially can only work from their homes. You know, they're subjected to a lot of societal norms that do not promote going outside their homes and working. So, you know, so we're very limited that the women work from their homes. Second is, you know, there's a group of women who are still using traditional crafts and traditional sort of methods to make their products, which are not relevant to the buyer of today. And there's a third segment of people who are making products, but they don't have access to markets to sell their products to, you know, earn a decent income. So these are the kind of three segments we're catering to, you know, which covers pretty much, you know, the women who has a basic craft skill across India. And hopefully we juxtapose this model to women artisans globally. And how we're sort of doing this is that, you know, we have a network of designers, you know, through our partnership with design schools, through online platforms or design communities, where we have a complete format to train these designers to use online tools and videos uh, to train artisans who, you know, essentially have smartphones. There's a very strong penetration of smartphones into India. And to communicate new designs using 3D drawings, 3D models uh, to these artisans where, you know, we use their existing craft skill, but just layer it with a new level of design to make products, which is then relevant to today's buyer. And uh, this is how, you know, when these products get sold, the women who are listed on the platform based on the products that they've sold uh, essentially are able to, I would say, you know, earn an income because if the products are pretty, you know, the buyer loves them and, you know, we get generate sales and then we have buyers like hopefully yourself, (laughs) people in Africa, uh, you know, like Uniqlo or, you know, bigger organizations who buy from us. And that's how the artisans are making money because uh, they're not just reliant on, you know, selling their products in an offline market or the local heart or the local artisan fair, but essentially all their products come online through the platform Suruhi. That's incredible. And really, I'm looking forward even to see your products even in Africa and in the world. So let me ask you this question. Which are your buyers? Which is your main market? We're a very young organization. I think uh, we're just a one and a half year old organization where most of our operations um, you know, happened during lockdown in India, which was for six months. Most of our buyers right now essentially entail a lot of small resellers, boutique buyers who love Indian craft. They love the story and they want to take these products and sell them in their own markets. A lot of our buyers essentially come from Europe, America, Australia. So these are the three sort of key geographies we see from an international perspective. But the aim is to, you know, really make Sirohi a global brand for handcrafted artisanal products from India. And I keep saying it (laughs) that, you know, we want to be the IKEA for sustainability, which is powered by the artisans of India. So hopefully we're able to do that at some point. That is a real strong purpose and a real bold vision. And I'm really impressed. In developing this vision to become the sustainable IKEA powered by the artisan of India, which are the stigmas, the problem, the cultural barrier that you had to overcome, especially talking about that you are working with women in rural areas? When we started our work, we're almost, like I said, at 550 women and the potential of expanding our work to 10,000 women, you know, who are now 
are wanting to work. Uh, it's just that we have to dem- uh, generate that demand. And only once I become IKEA, can I have like th- thousands of women working with us because the demand is going to be there. But I think the stigmas were that we started with actually just one woman because everyone else refused. They were so scared to work because they initially felt that they were not allowed to work. They felt that, oh, you know, if you give us work, the community will object. But these were just a lot of, um, I think, you know, thoughts and intuitions that were passed down by older generations. But now it's interesting to see that it was like a domino effect from one woman who started working to you know having the second neighbor who joined in and the third neighbor and you know now at one 550 women it's been an incredible story it was a bit of a challenge to start with I remember going to the village and meeting one woman uh, her name is Gohar Fatma uh, and she said that uh, I'm, I would love to work and I want to work but I will work behind the closed doors of my house and I still have a photo of her you know, with a product that we clicked behind the closed doors. So, and now, you know, she's strong, she's bold. She leads an army of, you know, 100 women who are working with her from the same community and the men are supporting them. So I think, you know, there's been a huge change from a community and societal perspective as well. Wow, that's such an impactful story. You are really part of a movement to really change even the culture and the perspective. Do you want to share something that you treasure in your art? from uh, your uh, experience with Shiroi, which is maybe one story that you want to share with the listeners? There's so many, but I think the strongest one for me definitely would be that of Gohar's. She was a woman who had decided and taken a decision that, hey, I'm going to make a difference to my life, no matter what the community thinks. And when we started working with her, she was like a shy woman she was a bit uh, nervous and you know she just wanted to work and she wanted to you know earn money so her kids could go to school she could buy things for herself she didn't her husband usually stayed very sick and she would never look me in the eye and speak with me you know she always had a very subdued look and gaze you know and she was very conservative she always had um, a wrap around her head or covered her head Um, you know, out of respect or out of, I'm not sure, just being nervous or shy. But I remember meeting her like six months later again. And, you know, she was speaking to me eye to eye with confidence. Uh, You know, she didn't have that dupatta. She was just standing tall the way she was. And I could see like this huge change, you know, in the confidence, in her emotions, in the person, the woman that she was, and even negotiating that, you know, I think I should get paid more for these products. And I love that. I love the fact that she could stand up and say that, you know, firstly, just look me in the eye, talk to me and tell me that I deserve more, you know, for my work. And that to me, you know, is, I think, empowerment and to be able to speak up. And that's what, what you know, women <laughs> sometimes all so in an urban world sort of fight for right to sort of be at par and at the same pay scales as men so the fact that she was doing it at such a ground level to me was extremely powerful and empowering and I think that's one of the strongest stories I have to share with you today that is incredible and really you know you are a young startup and you are already transforming lives in rural area and this example reminds me also of uh, also my personal experiences with women you know when you really see people that garner confidence and they are able to stand and they are economically empowered, notwithstanding the difficult cultural situation and really the barriers that are posed against them. Yeah, absolutely. What is your next step? Where do you want to take Shiroi? I want Shiroi to be a global name for artisanal handcrafted products from India. I feel there hasn't been any other 
there's so many amazing organizations doing uh, you know brilliant impact work but i feel from a global platform you know there's no one been able to take it where every country in the world knows that this product is from india or it was made by this brand and that's where i want to take sirohi i want to take the artisans of india on a global level just because their work is so beautiful and they're so skilled and i think they deserve to have you know what they do on a global scale and that's where i want to take it and that's really my mission and purpose which is why i keep like every person you know from a home decor perspective knows what ikea is right so if i can say that sirohi is going to be the name that is synonymous with handcrafted lux sustainability um then you know i think i know i i've achieved what i st- started for you want to become the sustainable home decor taking it to the next level in the world and having also a strong say proposition to to really empower artisan in india my next question linked to that do you want also to expand in the what so called global south replicating the model in in other area and cultures because you know we have the same similarity of uh, for example i'm talking about the african environment here with the the same issues that are faced by women and the, the poverty at the rural level absolutely i think if we're able to replicate and scale what we're doing uh, you know which is scaled from one village to 10 villages to one district and now hopefully to other artisan clusters across india i don't doubt that we can take what we're doing to different parts of the world uh, you know where there's a very strong influence of craft and culture you know whether it is sri lanka bangladesh africa uh, you know and get artisans to really make beautiful products which is inspired by their heritage and culture but is still relevant to an audience of today um and that's where you know we want to take it at and i think if we can create that cross cultural sort of i would say design or product mix um that would be really beautiful because then you're offering to the world something which is just off the world right and not of one country and i think that's going to be really powerful i'm looking forward to this because that will think will a real game changer for some communities especially at the local level can you share us because i've seen you have been recognized by un women you have won prizes in india can you share a bit your achievements so far and which are incredible because you are a very young startup i always say that your intentions define your reality and in some ways you know i think we've been true to what we want to do since the very beginning which is one is empower women to make a beautiful products and then give them to the world so i think all this recognition you know whether it is um, just to name a few we were recently funded by a small grant uh, by facebook in partnership with a foundation in india called nudge you know and we were recognized as the generation equality champions by un women as part of um, a global initiative just because you know all the work and and the fact that we were still able to sustain the artisans during covid and uh, plus at the same time you know i've tried to sort of ensure that what we're doing is <laughs> featured and pub- publicized in a lot of different magazines whether it's trade or whether it's design we won a few design awards as an artisan not for profit brand uh, by uh, you know the india design 
pool magazine in India. And hopefully, you know, over time, these uh, beautiful designs are able to help us win more awards. So yeah, and I think uh, the awards are in, uh, just help us sort of, I would say, get that recognition and spread the word to different people across platforms, different cultures, different countries. And it's a good sort of, you know, pat on the back as well, right? Because the artisans feel encouraged. It's a, it, it helps you motivate yourself. Like I said, I guess if you do good work, you know, you will be recognized for it. And I think that's where it comes from. And also the purpose of this episode, this postcard, we hope to give you visibility and even get to know to even a broader audience because you are doing a wonderful job. I think the prices is a proof that you are coupling, you know, the quality, the design price, the quality that you are doing with also, let us talk the UN Women Prize, the social aspect and empowerment. So you are doing a product that is of high quality on the product part and on high quality on the social part. So um, it's really incredible. In this path, in this work, which are the main problems that you faced? I think in terms of challenges and problems, you know, we, it has mostly been initially the societal barriers, you know, obviously we have a large group of artisans who work with us. So, you know, we're trying to sort of, uh, you know, really get organized to have a large number of designers who are assigned to the artisans to work with. So sometimes it does become a challenge to get, you know, designers who are in sync to work with artisans as well. Right. Uh, So that's one. Second is, you know, there are a lot of craft and artisan-based organizations in India. So another challenge is, you know, how do we sort of, you know, continue to be uh, unique and different and, you know, stand out with what we're doing. So, you know, you have to constantly innovate and come up with new ideas and designs. I have always believed that, you know, you think of a product, people want to buy the product because they love it. Uh, not because it was made by an artisan or it's made from sustainable materials. And I think that's, you know, as an organization, we keep focusing and trying to sort of solve for over time. That's uh, essentially what it is. And that's one of the biggest challenges. And, you know, I mean, of course, marketing in the world of today is a challenge because, you know, there's so many people out there who, and they have so many different choices, you know, whether it is of um, platforms like Amazon, who is uh, selling different kinds of artisanal products across the globe. So how do we make ourselves different and stand out? So that's a challenge. But I think, you know, over time, we come up and identify gaps and keep getting better and better. My husband always says that it's a marathon, not a sprint. So we'll take our time and we'll get there. That is wonderful. I want to ask, what do you want to leave for the audience? What to somebody that wants to start a social entrepreneurship, somebody wants to make a difference for his community, which is your message that you want to give? I always, you know, have just one message to share with anybody who wants to work in the impact space because, you know, it is a tough space. It is very challenging. You know, my grandfather has worked in the impact space for very long and he used to tell me that, you know, it's a thankless job sometimes because you're just giving and giving and that's the attitude you need to have. So I kind of realized very quickly that I do this because I'm doing it because I want to make a difference to my life and I want to change things that frustrate me. Right. And that's how I'm going to be able to create a difference to the life of others, because whatever doesn't frustrate me anymore. And if I'm happy and content with, you know, the way I live and what is around me, the world will be a better place. So and I think those actions have translated into me being the social entrepreneur that I am. So similarly, I think that would be the message that, you know, uh, first focus on making a difference to your life and then that of others. And automatically you will sort of find, you know, what your passion or what your inspiration or your frustration is, and you will solve for it. 
that is really inspiring. A great piece of advice, I might say, for everybody who wants to really to change their life. And I'm sure a lot of things that bother us, a lot of things that really disturb us, they are out there and we really need to take a bold step to change. So thank you, Egauri. I think it was a wonderful episode and you have given us a great story. In such a short span of time, you have done wonderful story. You have already transformed lives. You have already touched women directly and the, the transformation that you are giving. I'm, I'm really humbled and impressed and happy to have the possibility to interview you. Thank you so much, Samuel. I think it's been a pleasure. I I love talking about what I do. So I take any and every opportunity to talk about it again and again and again. So, so yeah, it's been a real pleasure. And uh, yeah, I, I will do what I plan to sort of achieve. Yeah, it's been great talking to you and we should definitely do a session a year later to see, you know, where we've come and what we've achieved. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Gauri. We'll see even more women in Siroy and you never know, you become even a bigger and you will be also in Africa and all over the world. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> thank you, hey, Gauri. Thank you so much. Are you better off after this wonderful episode? In the next one, we will see an innovative startups fighting fast furniture. Stay tuned!